With 2021 now in full swing, we're attempting some semblance of structure and integrity, and in that we'll be diving into the newest and strangest of 2021's films, starting today with a seemingly nice entry-level staple, a historical feel-good story about a working-class underdog set to, at the precipice of the Second World War. Let's see if there's anything worth excavating below the surface, or in short, do we dig it? So, be honest, how sceptical were you of this film's premise before we watched it? I wasn't keen to dig in, especially to, um, <laughs> you know, an an uh, underdig story like this. But, um, no, how sceptical was I? When you said, let's watch it, I was like, fine, because it's new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can't, I did laugh at Ray Fine's accent for at least the first three minutes until I got used to it. Because it was strange seeing him play a kind of Eop Jolly Yorkshire. Oh, no, he's kind of serious, but you know what I mean? Like a really it's, it's soft West and country, nice... West Country, his accent. Was that it? I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm terrible. I'm terrible <laughs> accent, sorry. I think his uh, performance as a whole was jarring. That probably didn't help that he also had a different accent to usual. Yeah, oh, I think he was good in it. Don't get me wrong, he was good in it. I really liked yeah, his, we've, his character. I've never seen the performance from him he, like he's, that. Yeah, he was such a... It's the only film I've ever seen Ray Fiennes in where I'd want to give him a cuddle. Yeah, exactly. That is not like him. Ev- <laughs> he was very warm and friendly. Like, yeah, whereas most films, he's either cold and conniving or just evil or funny <laughs> and evil. Or, yeah, even in Grand Budapest, which is probably his most likable performance I've seen outside of this film, he's still, like, crazy. He's very imperious as well. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, Exactly, but in this, he's not snobbish. He's very kind. He's working class as well. He's yeah, yeah, scruffy yeah. and working class. Like and all he wants is things. for someone to recognise. Yeah, because he always plays, you know, like M. Yeah. and uh, and you know the, the the bad guy from Schindler's List, and well, amongst many bad <laughs> guys. Like the film, bad guy from Schindler's List is just like everyone essentially. Everyone apart from obviously the the Jewish people. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> okay. Um, and also, um, yeah, Voldemort, obviously. But I mean, all of those characters. He's in Schindler's are, List. That's crazy. Yeah, or, or, he's the bad guy, yeah. And all, all of the um, the characters in that. And um, as well as, to be fair, Harry and Imbruge are all concerned with upholding um, terrible rules. Yeah, honour and principles that go beyond. And honour and principle. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, even M in, you know, Skyfall, in fairness, like, yeah, he's a. He's upholding, you know, you know, good good things, but he's still very imperious. Yeah, exactly. Literally, you know, <laughs> yeah. That is his entire character. So it was, it was quite, yeah. it was quite refreshing to see him do that. And yeah, yeah. He just, played, he, he played it, it, it was just so jarring well. funny for a bit. Oh yeah, I loved him. Like I said, I give him a big hug, and my favorite scenes were actually hit between him and the the young boy, who we said at the time is actually a really good child actor. Fantastic. The scene where he was yeah. crying, and we were like, this isn't awkward. Like normally when they get kids to cry in films, you're like, oh, I feel so awkward. But it was like, ah, oh, poor Especially, kid. And, you know? and this is quite this is quite rare that I would make this sort of comment. But actually, I think on the whole, child actors in the UK are a little bit more hit and miss. Like for better or worse, uh, like Hollywood does a very, if slightly dodgy, uh, like good job of getting like child actors to do extremely well. Whereas in the UK, it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit, it's a little bit more like watching a pantomime. Ethical. It's, Oh, for sure, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. for sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, but that, I mean, look, I'm I'm not framing this as a, as a dig at the uh, a dig. Sorry, uh, that's going to come <laughs> off a lot, isn't it? It's not meant as a dig at the UK system, cause, but yeah, by far we definitely whatever we do, it's not as bad as Hollywood. That's just a yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, that you was it. Was, that was why it was so surprising that he he gave such a great performance. 
I think generally the, the whole film was was cast very well. Yeah, it's really well acted. It was um, one of those, I think, films that was elevated uh, by it being, you know, good, like, you know, a good um, British ensemble of, of you know, rather trained actors. Yeah, it, it, well, makes sense. quite. If you know what I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. The, uh... So, yeah, so the premise of the film, as, as you say, kind of bored us at first, because, uh, but, well, first of all, it's nice because it's using an archaeological theme, and this this is this whole story of a um of a ship being found in someone's backyard is is a, obviously a new found story and like the like the exact um details of how it came about and the person who uncovered it is new which yeah. you know is something is nice but on on the surface that is not that's quite a rudimentary thing you find an interesting thing that's happened in history you make a documentary film about it but it's actually yeah, exactly. and it's like a bit of a yawn subject where it's like great what well, a guy digging some yeah mouth. excavation okay. exactly but, but it's a good um I'll go on you I want you to speak well that, <laughs> that's the point I think what's what's interesting about it and again it was a bit of a it was, it was sort of a roller coaster watching it because at first you rent well first you think it's just this very surface level story but then it starts to tell something more interesting with the the subtext of archaeology which we'll talk about later which usually would feel like it was diluting either the subject matter or the themes. But I yeah, think well, this film does a great job of, of, of doing it. It's a, it, was felt a, it was a really emotionally poignant film. Yeah, I, I felt like I was flying after this film. Yeah. <laughs> like, generally, like, the, um, the, like, until I went to bed, like, this film had, um, you know, injected me with dopamine and I was very happy, you know? Like, um, and the, uh, obviously, you've got, basically... It should have been jarring that the first hour of the film was, like you say, a very self-contained story about Carrie Mulligan and her son and the relationship between Rafe Fiennes and mm. her family in terms of uh, while they're trying to dig up this mound that has something buried beneath the surface. But obviously, cough, cough, nice little visual metaphor in the film. I say little because it's it, weirdly <laughs> after watching it, it feels really obvious um, that the archaeology is also this film is about a kind of excavation of relationships mm. and about digging up the way like digging beneath the surface in every single one of the relationships in the film. So we're going to start getting into spoilers now. So oh, yeah, go absolutely. away if you don't care. So basically, you've got the fact that and my, I love I love this stuff. This is by far my favorite part of the film. Otherwise, it's like yeah, cool. I hope that they dig dig up that ship and it goes well. Yay! If it doesn't go well. Oh, well. well, that's the point. That's um, not the point of the film. That's what no. That's, the point yeah. is what lies beneath in the relationship. So you've got Carrie Mulligan and her dead husband, and how um, it's taken a real toll on her, and she's got this heart condition, but she's worried about raising her son. And the, even the son's relationship is explored with his mother. How he feels that pressure on him to look after her because of what his father said to him um, mm. when his father had died. You've also got the fact that Ray finds this great scene when he gets invited um, to dinner with Carrie Mulligan and you're thinking right is is there a kind of relation uh you know romantic subtext here mm. and then you find out when he goes home that he has a wife and he hasn't read any of her letters mm. um that she's sent to him she's obviously quite caring and loving um I think their relationship in the relationships in this film are handled so realistically in terms of um like nothing is presented as it's being perfect the, yeah one of the strangest most original depictions of a very well functioning marriage I've ever seen in any film. It was it was so bizarre yeah, yeah. because it's, it's a fully because you cause feel they... that it's fully a Hollyoaks setup. It's a right. We're going to get a wife who you know hates his guts for his passion, 
and they even they even go through that whole speech about how you know he wants you know he's more important he, like he's so focused on his work he can't do anything else and yeah. she completely understands and they work with each other's problems and yeah. and it's such an and it's but it's it's an, and it's also it's great because they don't ever draw attention to the fact that their relationship is great and everyone else's is crap because they use that mm. to influence everyone else's because like you say Carrie Mulligan's character is like it's funny and her son are not dealing with it properly but the presence no. of I've got to have to remember the bloody guy's name what is his Basil that's it the presence Basil. of Basil that's a dependable <laughs> name isn't it the de- yeah. <laughs> um, you know Brush, Basil, Faulty, Brush. they're all great people anyway um, yeah. yeah exactly is what is what enables her character to sort of to grow up to her <clears throat> sort of you know death I mean not necessarily it doesn't happen in the film but yeah but it's it's suggested it's greatly implied soon and uh, it's also implied that the the young boy would then go and be raised further by Ray Fiennes and it mm. and in very really sweet in very similar because obviously they they can't have children so that's actually the thing that solves their problem is the mm. the misgivings of someone else and in this film often the misgiving of one thing solves a problem for someone else. A bit like how with um, the relationship between Lily James mm, and her, just about and her husband, who's gay, that falls apart. But then it act- that sad thing actually leads to a good thing for both of those people, is that they get to be with the people they should really be with. Mm. You know, I think all it's in, it's interesting because all of these things they turn out brilliantly. But the the, the way that the film very subtly weaves those narratives together is by by framing it as being this is just before the second world war starts and interestingly something you don't see in many films is that all the characters are seemingly aware that the war is about to start even though it's one of those things it's always depicted as being a shock that people see but they're all they all see the writing on the wall and they're all saying we know this is the like the last time for a while that we're all going to be able to be around other people hint hint modern you know context hint hint and I mean, we'll there talk are numerous. About later, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are numerous points where we felt okay. v- we felt visibly saddened and happy by the fact that we like just yeah missing being around other people because that's exactly yeah, the well, way this is being framed. It, in the film. Exactly, we were saying to each other, you know, like um, as what I said to you, it yeah. was really interesting seeing um, all of the police on the street giving orders about when people had to be home, yeah, and everything. And I was like, weirdly. Um, I would have used to have seen these films and thought, oh, the 40s, that was a bad time. And obviously the 40s was a lot worse than, than now. I mean, now it's still bad. And, you know, I feel for everyone who's who's having a hard time of it. And that's very bad. But, obviously, you know, more people died in World War II is my point. Um, so, of course, like it, it's like but... it would be like now, but on steroids. You yeah, know? the scale um, isn't really relevant, though, to the story. The point is, it's no, saying it, that people can, part, you can well, use... Everyone's feelings still matter, don't they, in real life? And so they, they use... An, are removed they, they they use a story that um allows them to remove themselves from this context to still tell a very similar story exactly if that makes sense about stuff that is still re- um relates now i don't know if this film was made in covid though uh that'd be really interesting to know if it's actually just sort of been helped in a way uh by by the modern context because I feel that like we really related to the melancholy of this film because, yeah, like you say, the fact that they know that war is coming yeah. means that everything in this film is incredibly melancholic. Okay, but it's but not just that. It's also about acceptance because Carrie Mulligan's character, as um, sort of sort of explained near the end of the film, is she 
her deep-rooted belief comes to the surface that, you know, nothing in anyone's lives actually matters about death. And that's when the archaeological element of the film becomes important, because as another thing, another sort of the, probably the biggest contribution that Basil gives is that the whole idea is that our, what we do during our time in our life is, is, you know, it creates the footprint that other people yeah. sort of build upon. And that's permeated well, you, by the use of photographs. That, um... Okay. Well, I was just going to say when he gives that speech at the um, at the side of the at the boat to the the people, mm. saying about how um, you know these people had a great culture, and just because it's ages ago, it doesn't mean it's useless or that at the time it wasn't impressive. It's it would still be impressive now. Mm. It's yeah, basically what you're saying. Carry on about the photographs because you were very interested in that while we were watching <laughs> the film. Well, yeah, because it, it's seemingly at first it's um it's Miss Pretty's uh, brother, isn't it? Who's Miss Pretty is Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Um, who's interested in photography, which seems like an odd sort of addition to the film until that moment comes about where they're, they are uncovering, you know, the sort of a society that's been sort of destroyed by time at the precipice mm. of obviously an event which is going to destroy evidence of loads of, like many elements of our culture as we know them today. But obviously having the records and photographs is our form of, encapsulating our culture for for the future generations which is what gives everyone is part of what gives everyone hope to come together and that shows itself so nicely and and again just like the relationships were so you know uh nicely depicted the professional relationships that basil has with the other excavators who aren't the main foreman who's the closest thing we get to a bad guy even though he's not really a bad guy by the end but you know he sort of gets it's the typical kind of jurisdiction jostle that happens and he gets kicked out and then he comes back and all the other professionals are really admiring of him and accept him back no problem and everyone just gets on with it and it's a oh yeah it wasn't, it wasn't basil it wasn't basil who gave the speech by the boat it was the, the as you say the villain but um yes it, even that was a moment that i i remember i said to you i said look everyone's they all care the that's the point they like, all care yeah I was, I was like look he's not completely bad he does actually care yeah and he is passionate about this. He's just also a dick. He's just the but... usual Ralph, uh, Ralph Fiennes character of being yeah, officious and slightly yeah. snobbish. Yeah, it's quite bizarre. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was for me why the film worked. It was very subtle about that, and I would not be surprised if it's you know lost on some people because a lot of those threads are very delicately put together. If if that makes any sense. But mm, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a proper. Um, it's actually really this film's a mood film, in terms of a, a lot of it um, revolves around subtle emotional beats. For you to enjoy the film, you have to really be able to pick up on the on the subtext of the entire movie mm. and to yeah like excavate what you're seeing and to excavate this historical document because it's also based, it's based on a true story. Mm. So oh. it's very so you are you are in, in a way doing that. So it's it's a really good mood film. The film is an excavation, yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny, it's interesting you say that because um, even though a lot of the uh, the cinematography in the film cinematography in the film is quite simple, there is a, a like a reoccurring motif of having uh, a scene on one character linger whilst other characters who have left the scene continue to talk about them as if the character that was left behind can still hear them. It was mm. a really especially especially the, I think the first time it's used when. Yeah, um, Basil yeah, and his yeah. wife are talking about, and we were like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, we thought it was an editing mistake, but actually, you can see yeah. it's like she has this weird sort of horrible 
look in her eyes as if she hears everything that they're saying. It's it really comes, yeah, and it becomes a bit like um, by cutting between those two things, it, it recontextualizes moments um, and the way that they're these emotions could affect someone else in another scene. It makes you put that link together. Exactly. Um, also, this is a very quick side note. You know how we, that was the first time I'd really seen someone use that editing trick. Well, the next day I watched Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell and they used that editing trick in that. And I thought, that's weird. <laughs> oh, damn. That's it's so just going to be one of those things where we notice it in loads of other films. We notice it all the think, time. Oh, we were stupid. Yeah, yeah it might be. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, how weird is that? That's so weird. That is really bizarre. But it is yeah, so also, effective. Beautiful Boy is an 8 out of 10. So all right, watch good. it, everyone. We're, Carry on. We're also, this is also playing into the, uh, the fact we were talking about about how it's a very, you know, very slow-paced, very meditative sort of film. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. con- it's it's content to not show the characters talking, but rather just show the emotions on their face while you hear the dialogue, which in many cases yeah. during the film is all you need. Yeah, It's yeah. a very odd Plus, feature. You need that, you need that, and the music. Should we, sh- should we talk about the music? Yeah, it was, yeah, p- please do. Okay, I thought it was very nice. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, it was it, lovely. In it many was... ways, it was exactly... The thing is, it was exactly what I would expect from a film like this. But with a film like this, you actually really do need music that wouldn't draw attention to itself and would just be exactly what you expect. It's one of those weird... It's a little static at times. That would be my yeah, criticism. It's, it never, um, it's, very, it's very rare that the score develops into somewhere... Interesting. It very much follows the the you know the emotions of the scene on the surface, which is again yeah, yeah, part of this a, whole idea. It's of a cliche. It is a it's a nice but cliche score. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and that's probably why there isn't much to say about it because again, most of the sort of narrative threads in the film are only really carried together by very very delicate threads. And like I say, it's not it's not influenced by the score. The score very much sticks to the original sort of yeah, like you say, formula. But by no means is it a problem. It does its job very well. I mean, I mean, regularly noted while we were watching it how lovely the piano, the, the playing of the piano was. It was just yeah, a very yeah. comforting it, it, thing. It exceeds it exceeds well in what it's doing. It's just you know, it's not yeah, it's not a score I, for the ages. But that's not it's not the kind of film that requires yeah. that. I put, guess put, you know? put in that thought for a second because I just want to I want to finish making one little point because this all these things are really relevant to one big thing. So okay. the uh, we we were saying about how it's you know drawing attention to how we should uh, you know savor the moments we have with other people both before and after a war slash pandemic obviously very useful uh, but also yeah. that acceptance idea the whole having having found life and having records of life is a, another very useful thing for people especially who are losing loved ones <coughs> who haven't managed to have, you know had the you know ability to spend the time with the people that they love in the last like few months. Which is like a really again like a, it's horrible to think about it, but it's just one of those things that's happened, and it's a nice sort of drawing attention to the fact that that is you know it's it's not it's horrible, but it isn't you know it's not ultimately the depressing thing you think it is because you know what you've had with those people is is the important thing, and in that I was I want to say, and this may be this may be strenuous because I think I'm pretty certain this was made in lockdown. I mean, it wouldn't exactly have been too difficult to make during lockdown. Shall I, a I will spaced actually out film. Google it. And it's a Netflix um, original, and Netflix originals have a habit of rushing out their films very quickly. They don't tend to sit on them um, no. for release because, well, obviously it's Netflix. Um, by all means, look into it. I'm almost certain that, that most of it um, would have been shot during lockdown. I mean, lockdown started in, what, late March? Yeah. Well, it's been a year. Yeah. Um, this is a fairly simple film to have shot. There are very few locations in it. 
Well, I have <laughs> no clue. I've I, I googled it and I can't oh, look, find it. Forced, so even, I think we're I tell you what, even if it's it not made in locked, it, yeah, but even if it's not, I'd still, I still think no, sometimes look. some things are made and they end up taking on more meaning than okay. you know by accident, well, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, look, we talked about in uh, in our review of Soul, and it's, 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 it's particularly around its ending, how we felt that that was definitely heavily influenced by the current sort of you know, catastrophe the world is in. Oh, yeah. And of course, Soul could have been because it was animated so that people could make that from home, in theory. Yeah, yeah, true. But what I mean is is that the narrative beats of it, which caused technically some problems in it, were probably due to the fact that they had to, you know, yeah. change it, it the approach. Like they were, they were the trying film. to lighten things up for kids. I wonder whether films like that and like this are just more necessary than before. Just... And I wonder if that has actually influenced the way that we're discussing well, how this film has turned um, out, of being very, very heavily focused on, you know, it's, it, it, it never dwells on the melancholy. That's always in the subtext. And it, it's in it all beautiful. cases, all like relationships are resolved in a very, you know, cathartic in manner, in a, in a you know, positive sense. Which, yeah, well, yeah. I imagine that the COVID 19 pandemic will basically be. Um, a lot like what 9-11 was for cinema in terms of like after 9-11 that changed cinema forever like cinema hasn't been the same since you know the Dark Knight trilogy would not have been what it was at all without um, the war on terror and that context so mm. I feel like this is just the latest in an occurrence of you know worldwide um, you know worries true that has has come to, to plague movies because obviously like you say catharsis and that's what films are all about. It's about giving people catharsis. So, and as I know, say, like Inception, how... a positive catharsis is always more rewarding than a uh, than a negative one. Yeah, yeah. And like we said in um, <laughs> in Soul, when we were talking about Inside Out, I mean, that film's probably influenced by its 2014. That's when people actively was talking about mental health a lot for the first time. That's true. You know, films are always reflect... And, and the catharsis in that is very much, again, about mental health and about how sometimes you'll be sad, but you can work through it. Mm. It's giving you hope. Um, so yeah, I I would I can't wait to see over the next year um, and following year whether the effect is that cinema has to be really nice to you. Comfort comfort <laughs> films definitely look like they are building up on the horizon on, on the way in. Well, people pre COVID people were starting to become a bit you know like um, uh, cynical about comfort movies and be like. You know what I mean? And be like, well, if you want comfort movie, why don't you just go home and watch Pretty Woman? You know? It's now um, the st- yeah, because at the time, it was the, the standard position is to be outraged at something in the world. No thanks yeah. to the way and, that and certain Western true. countries have been conducting themselves. And yeah. I'm sure that a mixture of, yeah, people cobbling together and, you know, perhaps a better running of certain Western countries will help to aid that. But like you say, I'm sure, like yeah, it's it's pr- we're pretty certain that Hollywood is gonna, and and well, not just Hollywood, all filmmakers are gonna make an attempt to make it easier for everybody. But it could come at the yeah. cost of, you know, uh, good drama. Well, yeah, I mean, it happened. Well, it happened this hasn't been an easy time for anyone. I would like it to. I'd like the the traumatic side of it to be acknowledged, um, because sometimes there's also an argument that in in order to give people catharsis, you also have to work through the actual pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, this, but this film doesn't pull any punches on showing, you know, sadness. I oh, suppose. it doesn't. Yeah, but... it doesn't. This film does it. This film, if it does what it, well, it does uh, really well, like it couldn't have handled it better. Mm. I'm just saying, like, you know, sometimes you need a film like Seven 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not right now. I mean, who's exactly there's a time for everything, but I mean, if everyone starts making the same film, this is going to be really boring. <laughs> you know. Do you have any thoughts on the um the way the film was paced, especially in the re- in with regards to the introduction of characters, because the character Lily James's character and her seamless. husband. It was done so seamlessly. It was, but like it happened like an hour in, into the film. Yeah, we main said characters. The, second, <laughs> the first half was about was about the first set of main half characters the second half was about another set of main characters and then they tied it all together in the last 10 minutes yeah all around this one event around this one thing mm. a bit like how love actually ties everything uh together around the airport or around christmas you know mm. it's got this one idea at the center that they're gonna move this multi-strand narrative around and all the characters are gonna come together around one thing you yeah. know um and that's how to do it really a lot of the time if you're writing a multi-strand narrative um yeah, I mean, the, the, so, the seeds are sown in the beginning. Well, I, sorry, I say beginning and throughout because at every opportunity when they are either in town or travelling, every time there is a couple like in the street or, or outside the house, the, the camera will stick to them no matter what the main characters are doing. It's very interesting yeah. how they never yeah. stop doing that, which is, again, is a, yeah. a, a really... Well, I mean, half of me thinks it's subtle, half of me thinks it's ham-handed. I actually don't know what I think it is. It's good that um, it works. It's just well, there's the thing is right. Um, out, I personally believe that out of every type of medium, um, that I think film is the one medium where it's most okay to be hamfisted about things. You should. Okay. No, I don't think you should ever really be it in music. Not really. <laughs> if you, uh, I, it, it annoys me. Um, but mm. I think in um, well, I, I have to tell you what. I, I feel like there's no rule anyway. I just feel like. What there's nothing wrong with it, depends on how you consume the media because I think, yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no such what's the equivalent of an action song, like that's just like a pop ballad, which technically, critically speaking, an action action song is something like, um, oh, like a rock music, yeah, I guess, yeah, Yeah, like proper, like Don't Stop Me Now is like an action song, isn't it? Like something upbeat and yeah, I'd call that a okay, no, I didn't didn't mean ballad, did I? I meant pop anthem, that's what I should have said, a pop anthem, yeah, or, or, or like a Led Zeppelin song would be an action song, yeah, I guess so. That's, that's more of I like think. a. Well, this is that's a, yeah. I mean, look, this is a, this is why it's a ridiculous argument. It's hard to it's hard to discuss. <laughs> they're really not comparable. Yeah. But they're not too. I think <laughs> I, I think that is probably just to do with the way that you slash we slash one consumes music as opposed to film. Because I don't. I think our approach to watching films is probably slightly less. Ah, oh, that's that's a hard one. I was going to say it's slightly less critical than the way we watch the way we listen to music, but that might not be true. I don't know. I think, I think you're more to... you're more accepting of bad films than you are bad music. There's yeah, I, I can it. I I can in, I can enjoy some bad films as well. Whereas Why is bad that? Music's just I'm not saying I disagree, um, but I, I it's interesting that. Uh, well, I think we've said before often when you're um, say we're on out of ten when we're rating different mediums, films are by far the easiest to rate because there are certain things that you can do in every film to make them better like there are some some uh, i'm not saying like you know people can't push the bracket I, I probably sound like i've got one idea of one type of perfect movie that's not true i'm just saying that because the film's got constraints in the real world that um yes music has but it doesn't have to the same extent well because i think film, I mean, film is so and because film is so um, more than books and more than games you know because film is so constrained to what can physically happen in front of you apart from with computer animated stuff i feel that you can rank everything in a more objective way 
Also, and, um, th- there is such a thing as bad editing. You know, there's such a thing as um, bad bad cinematography and stuff. There are things that you can do objectively to make stories better. Um, so I feel like there's criteria that you're able to actually analyse against. Yeah. Did I answer there's... your question? I can't even remember what I was saying. No, no, I, I sort of agree. I mean, I, I think um, another another aspect of this, I was asking why it's easier to, um, or why we sort of are more accepting of bad films than we are bad music. I well, was going to say, I think... If, I if think a bad it's... film is still enjoyable, I don't care. Like, I just... I, I well, will <laughs> rate film on how entertained I am, but I just can't be entertained by bad music. I think it's, it's that simple. I think it's because, very simply, music has fewer dimensions in its consumption and production, and therefore yeah, there are true. fewer places to hide a bad, yeah, it's easier badly to written notice element. Bad things. Yeah, like, so say Godfather Part 3, Right. Okay. I really like that film. Okay, <laughs> I personally think it's excellent, As do I. but I do, I do think Sofia Coppola's performance is really bad. But, but I can ignore it because she's acting against Al Pacino, who I think is great. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and what's the other in, guy's name? Uh, oh, well, Andy Garcia. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Andy Garcia is great in that film. He's great. If he, if 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 he had been a bad actor, then yeah, that film would not have been as good because there'd be whole scenes. Ruined. It's kind of exponential you know? the rate at which your film gets worse by how many character, how many like members of the cast of the main characters are bad. Yeah, and like what it's there's so many right. So say in the making of a record, yeah, mm. you at most gonna have fifty people make it. Yeah, in a at most, I'm talking like if you get an orchestra involved and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If in in the making of a film, you are at most gonna have two million people involved in making it. Mm. See what I mean? It's not the same. Like, so it's so it's much it's much it's a much bigger thing, and that's that's probably just why it is. And I um I I mean lots of people say this, but like a good film is a genuine miracle <laughs> because of that, because of that. Like even even like a six out of ten, even a five out of ten is impressive. When I watched New Mutants last year, mm. yeah, I remember I said to you, look, it's average, but I really enjoyed it. And I was re- I found it really impressive that they managed to do something different with the X Men. You know, it was still I, I still I would still call that film a miracle. <laughs> like so, you got yeah. what I'm saying? No, of course I do. It's the size of the project and the fact that there's much more good, there's much more dimensions, so you can enjoy lots more dimensions. Whereas it, yeah, in a song, it could be like that guitar's rubbish, the drums are rubbish, the bass are rubbish, but the piano's good. I still don't think it's a good song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've gone so far off track. I don't even remember how we. So got the dig. Ahead. So the dig. Um. I, it's a very beige film. Uh, Simon Stone went for a very... No, genuinely, I remember we said this. And I was like, yes, is it did. because of mud? I was like, is it because of mud? Because they're digging. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's also the, the set. It's hard to color grade like, a film like that to look blue. Because it was yeah, all it was overcast yellow. and Just, yellowy yeah. fields and hay. and. Oh, no, there were some really nice like summer's evenings. There were. Oh, uh, I guess that's true. Well, like the blue sky. Remember I said to you, I remember being able to do stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to make a film about archaeology, you kind of have to do that, as you say. Also, yeah. as again, the relationship with with World War Two and the sort of the the, uh, the kind of color guidelines of you know, say what the army would be wearing is again an influence on it. I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah. Just the general rural South England. That is what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were very intent of make on making it feel exceptionally grounded 
Like they had very little intention on. Oh, they smashed um, it. They, glam- they glamorizing any it. element, any element of what they were doing. And so it's quite nice. Yeah. They didn't glamorize excavation. They showed it as being a very tedious process, which is very slow. And even the yeah. person who loves it is intent on reminding everyone that this might be like I dig this massive hole, and I might find literally nothing. Yeah, nothing, and yeah, that's yeah. fine because that's why well, he loves it. Was, it. Um, also showing a bit of like. Um, What's the word that begins with C that describes bad things? Crap. No, like when... Corruption! Yeah, it shows corruption in the archaeological society. And I was like, oh, these... Oh, I see. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like the gangsters in, in archaeological yeah, yeah. societies. <laughs> well, so I mean, it reminded me of like a, a, a cop movie where like the, the state cops come into the little town and the small town cops yeah. go, no, this is my, this is my place. Oh, this is a state matter now. And then the this FBI is my collar. No, this is an my FBI collar now, boy. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I got yeah. the big guys <laughs> in. And that's just... You expect more. The British Museum turn up and then And the thing is, they do actually... Indiana Jones turns up and goes, that belongs to museum yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it properly becomes like that kind of it's a proper like Downton Abbey problem where it's like oh they they run out of oh Oh, gray so we so we had to have a a, our first ever hot chocolate oh dear (laughs) yeah you know what I mean oh no the town statue we can't afford to finish it before March what are we going to do yeah I think that's probably why they had to introduce a a more interesting angle for the film because even that even though it's a very interesting find for the popular masses, a film about someone finding a a boat in the ground is an, unfortunately not going to rouse the masses as much as it probably should. Yeah, it, it serves as a visual metaphor that everything revolves around. And this film is a really nice bit of you know visual poetry with some great performances. Yeah, and my favourite Lily James performance as well. I actually may be in agreement. To really, be fair. I, I mean, you're a massive fan of her, whereas like before She's an this excellent film. Actor. I, I was not bothered by her at all before this film, and now I think she, I know I think I'm really going to watch out for her, especially when I rewatch Baby Driver because I remember yes. last time being like, "Yeah, okay, you're in this." Well, I, like um, a, that's a difficult one because yeah. her performance is good in that, but it's um, some of the writing doesn't doesn't do her character particularly nice things occasionally, but yeah. her performance nonetheless is is brilliant. It's also my third favorite Carrie Mulligan performance while we're on one. It's my second favorite. I like her in Wildlife. That's my favourite. Wildlife. Have I seen that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's really, oh, really, really right, okay. It's in fact, I would say it's exactly as good as this film. And I would say if you like this film, you, you might like Wildlife. Can I just clarify that you're giving first place to Doctor Who? Yeah. Okay, good. No, no, no I'm just, I'm just making yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, phew. Yeah. <sighs> oh, that's yeah. terrifying. Oh, I really, I really like her in Drive as well. Oh, of course, I forgot but, she was in but, Drive. But she's, she's great in Drive. But I think she's. She's really good at being like in this film. She just looks like she's dying. I don't know, it's really well, silly, she is. but yeah, I know. But like, I looked at her and I thought, "Wow, you look so frail." I mean, like, I don't want to get into the be, realm of insulting must be, her too much. That but... must be good minor acting, though. There must be some minor little bits of acting she's doing there. I, I think so. Know. She's she's playing an exhausted person, obviously. Yeah, yeah she mentally comes and physically, really tired. and that's I can't lie. She seems really tired. Yeah, it's true. Oh, don't you think she's tired? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why, do, um, why do we make, why do we reference the thing that barely anyone else has seen? Anyway, um, I don't know. So um, yeah, it's it's mess. Its message is hardly new, is what we're saying. But its techniques, oh, sorry, and its techniques aren't necessarily breaking any ground. But its framing, it's given the current world we live in, finds it like a new corner of like the sort of you know the the, pul- oh, yeah. the pulse it's... of the nation to feel. And like I'd be lying if I said it wasn't effective because it it was. Yeah, yeah, it's really solid and effective movie, and I'm really really glad. That um that we watched it 
And I also think it handled the homosexual subtext stuff really, really interestingly and really well. Yeah, I think I think we're, it's good that we're getting to a point in you know most films where, where the stigma is deal. no longer an elephant yeah, in the room. It felt like there was no stigma there. Yeah, it felt like it felt like obviously in that society there was a stigma, but that Lily James's character was okay with it. Well, that's what that's what's interesting, and that's kind of what we'll it's we'll never really fully know. Is because obviously social stigmas are not necessarily representative of what the masses think. It's just what people are. It's true. Are accepted to think. So it's impossible. So that's yeah. why it's perfectly fan- fine be... to depict it in that way, and even well, in the forties. It's 40s. like when they they talk about. Um, I remember I learned in sixth form that uh, apparently you know half of Shakespeare's poems were about men, like and that he was bisexual. <laughs> yeah. but it's not something that people talk about, and that also. Um, my, my English teacher told me that apparent you know in ancient Greece everyone was doing it with everyone and that was really normal yeah bumming so, in books that not, was their that but, was their contribution to the world that's not what you know we we get taught or think about so i feel like you know um yeah these stigmas are, are probably created by the people who have the most control of um of ideology yeah i don't know there i go bloody that tories a theorist so, anyway so should we wrap up yeah i mean really uh, well okay I, I i would describe this film as great Okay. So that means so I'm giving this a seven out of ten. Oh, that's really nice. Um, what are you going to give it? Well, I think okay. One, I'd like to clarify: definitely the best film of 2021 so far. But um, what else has there been? <laughs> I, haven't no, I, mean, I haven't seen anything else this year. I haven't seen anything else this year. So okay, this, cool. this is a good bar. It's currently winning, winning my my um my Tosca. Yeah, it's uh, a but, it's um, bottom of my list, sadly. Oh, I get you. Jesus well, Christ, that took you long enough to get It's bottom and top. It's just weird that that's the same thing. Fucking I've never idiot. thought of that. It made me feel weird. It's also made me really want to watch Simon Stone's other film, The Daughter, which stars uh, Jeffrey Rush. That'll be quite interesting. Yeah, same, actually. And it's got Sam Neill. So, oh, we should watch it together at some point. Mm. Maybe we could even talk about it on the show. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting. Um, that's his only other film. So, technically, we could do a Simon Stone ranking video. Damn it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, I think this is a really solid mid to high six. I think it's really good. I don't think it's great. I think it's really good. I think it excels at everything it does, but as um, there's nothing about it. I would never watch it again, ever. Um, like if it was on the same room as me again, I'd go on my phone. Like I feel like I've I feel like I've got everything I'm going to get from this film, and uh, um. It's basically as well when I'm rating. If I look at other stuff, I'd give a seven. So if I go on this, I've got you know like Lethal Weapon One, Spider Man into the Spider. <laughs> wow, there's an easy one to compare it to. Clerks, Lethal Weapon um, One, Princess Monoki. Probably under it, but like, it's like, you it's just keep not listing all of it your does not, I'm saying it doesn't compare. Like it's not it's not as good as those films. I'll tell you what, but it is, but it's not average. So I think it's good. I think it's a six. I'll tell you what, whether intentional or not. I think this film was very lucky that it came out this year. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for this, if this time, came out. I, I would at the not end like of, it near as much. If this came out at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, I would most certainly be giving it like a, a mid, a mid to low six. But I'm, but I'm, I'm all for including historical context, hence my rating. So there we go. That's it. Cool. Who do you think was the best performance as well? Before we start. Oh, oh, because I like. It's I like definitely talking, between like Carrie Mul- Mulligan and. Um, Ralph Fiennes. I'm probably going to go Ralph Fiennes because I've never seen him do anything like this before and he executed it perfectly. And it is the emotional centrepiece of the film, really. So, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go for Lily James. You absolute hero. I've I've so, I, I, that's really, I'm glad you picked that, actually. 
And the thing is, like the like her character was sort of like a bit boring, and I really like that because she was like really nerdy about archaeology and stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. Well, you know, having done an she AS level she in loves archaeology, archaeology, I can I can attest. That's what all archaeologist women look like. She had all of my favorite scenes, and she played them all out to me. That's so very reasonable. Cool. All right. Well, we were out of ten, and now we're out of time. See ya. Yeah. Let's dig ourselves back out of that hole. Wait. Thank you for listening to Out of 10, or at least being in the vicinity of a device which happens to be playing it. If you've struggled through to the end, you've either skipped through the podcast, in which case, shame on you, or you actually enjoyed it somehow. If so, we'd love to hear your thoughts on lists we should make or reviews we should do for any film, TV show, album or game you want. Just make sure it's not boring. You can find us on Twitter at outer underscore one zero, or send us an email to outer10podcast at gmail.com, all one word. And all complaints may be sent to us via your nearest recycle bin. See you soon.